as you look out your window or wherever you may be, it might be a beautiful, bright, sunny day. And you might be thinking about that sun from the warmth that it provides as you're laying out on the beach or uh, maybe you're out, uh, you know, doing some kind of a, a exercise. You even have a hat on because it's so bright today. But how much do you really think about how much power and energy that sun can provide? Well, on today's Innovation Driven Growth Podcast, we've got somebody who's been thinking a lot about harnessing the power of solar and bringing it back to negative amounts on power bills, credits on power bills. Interested? Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and user of metacognition, David Peterson. Well, good morning. It is wet and rainy here in South Georgia, but we have some bright sunshine for you today because we are going to be talking with Aviv Shalgi from Solar Simplified. Super excited about this interview. And you hear a lot about solar and, uh, you know, some of you live in areas where solar is maybe more advanced than others. So Aviv, uh, welcome to the Innovation Driven Ghost podcast. Thank you very much for having me, David. Well, let's just start with a brief background. Uh, just kind of give that 20,000-foot view to our listeners and let them know a little bit about Aviv, and that would kind of lead us up to the, the Solar Simplified story. Sure. Happy to share that. So my name is Aviv. I'm originally Israeli, been living in Chicago for the past five years, and I'm a uh, tech entrepreneur, even though I hate kind of saying using that word. <laughs> I've been in the startup space for almost 10 years, been an engineer before that. And I believe that it's just super interesting for me to wake up in the morning and try to solve a problem that nobody else is trying to solve. Nice. And so just just curious, in your background, if you go back and look at all of the things that you've done leading up, would you say that you had th that somehow this idea of being involved in the solar technology field was like, can you look back to when you were 14 years old and you had an interest <laughs> or passion? Is, you know, give us a little bit of insight as to what maybe way back then sort of led you to the kind of innovation you're working on now. Sure. Uh, I, I would say the, the truthful answer is no. Uh, my dream was definitely not to be in solar. Solar was obviously at its very infancy when I was a child. But I believe that one of the things that I find really interesting is to ask a lot of questions. Pretty sure we can probably ask my parents about that, but I'm pretty sure that I was also you know, one of those curious children that were always asking questions trying to understand the world. Now, I know we're barely into the interview here, but I am so sorry. I just have to stop at this point and really emphasize this, this amazing statement that Aviv just said. He, he's talking about what really got him going and the fact that he was so inquisitive as a child that he was one of those kids that if you asked his parents, like, oh, yeah, they were always asking questions. And I know this can drive parents crazy. I've been there. I've, I've, I've heard all those questions that over and over again, but but parents, if you're a parent, if you're an, an aunt, an uncle, if you're somebody that's in a position 
where you are talking to or have the opportunity to allow young people to interact with you and they ask questions. This is this is your opportunity. This may be the only moment. This may be the best moment for you to influence a young person. So let them ask their questions. Oh, you know, appropriate time and space, yes, but let them ask their questions and then give them intelligent answers. Uh, you know, don't don't just don't just blow them off. And don't go into some kind of long, you know, very, uh, uh, you know, way over their head. Give them information that helps their inquisitiveness grow for them to find their place, for them to know what really kind of strikes a chord within them. And, and who knows, you may be the person today, today, that strikes a chord in a young person that sets the tone for the rest of their life. It's pretty important. So be a good question answer. The idea for Solar Simplified actually came in just multiple networking sessions that I was having after my previous startup got acquired uh, in the end of 2019. And while I was taking a little bit of a break you know, from work after we finished the merger with the acquiring company, I was you know, doing a lot of networking calls. It was uh, early COVID days. Everybody were on the internet, Zoom calls, um, and all of the, the networking startups, things of that nature. And I accidentally stumbled on all sorts of uh, folks who operate in the solar space here in the United States. You were, and, still, you were still asking questions. Yes. I mean, it's a little bit of the, the networking side, too. You want to hear who the other person, you know, the person on the other side is. And what do they do and what are they interested in and what bothers them and things like that. And I was kind of starting to hear the same thing over and over and over again. And so I went back to the first people that I heard from about these problems and kind of came back to them and said, well, I heard this thing that you mentioned five times already. How about we dive into that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more information about that? And if I might ask, the, the startup, the other startup that you sold, again, had nothing to do with energy or solar. It was completely different. Yes, completely different. It was a machine learning data analytics startup in the real estate space. So Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, and so, it, so again, uh, you know, the question that's on my mind is what got you specifically focused on energy? But, but I think you've actually already answered that, which is you were just having conversations with people, you were networking with people, what's going on, what do you see happening, what's going on in your field, and that inquisitiveness led you to something that you heard multiple times, perhaps from multiple people that said to you, there's something here, I, I want to dig into this a little bit more. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'll admit, I used to be an electrical engineer way back when. That's what oh, I started okay. in college. Now we're, getting, now we're getting there. Now we're getting That's there. That's what I started in college. <laughs> but I believe if I would have to estimate, I would assume that the actual classes on energy, solar energy generation, were maybe two at best. In, in, in engineering, you study exactly. Right. Yeah, 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 I got you. And so, was it just the fact that these people were mentioning something over and over? What was the thing that you heard five times? Something specific to energy, or something specific to solar? It was something specific to solar, to the solar space, and specifically um, the business or the industry around solar power plants. So not rooftop solar, but, but the big, the big farm, the big the solar industrial exactly. solar, if you will. All right. So, so here's what I want to do because I think we're going to need a little bit of a primer about energy 
and how it's sold, but, but do this, give me the elevator pitch. Like if, if we are in the elevator, we're on floor one, we get to go to floor 21, you're gonna give me the elevator pitch on solar simplified. Then we're gonna circle back around to dig into that to understand how it's gonna impact. So, so go ahead and start with that. Here's what we do at Solar Simplified. Sure, so Solar Simplified solution is very simple. We connect consumers renters, homeowners, business owners, directly with solar power plants or what we call solar farms. And the idea here is to enable people, first of all, to support green directly and not have to go through uh, five different companies in order to do that. But more importantly, by doing that and by making that connection, consumers on one hand get to save money. It's a guaranteed savings program. It doesn't cost anything. So imagine a coupon or a gift card that you're using on your electricity bill. It's automatically there, so you don't have to do anything after you're registered. But the actual innovation comes from the developer side. The developer doesn't have to deal with who's going to buy this energy, how are they going to buy this, and dealing with customer acquisition and management and support and billing and all of that let's call it a little bit of headache because these are not consumer-facing companies. These are construction companies and energy companies. And so for them to go through this process would have been very painful, both you know, on the cost side, but also time and effort. So what they usually do is go to sell this energy to corporations. Now, by switching them from corporations to consumers, we're reducing their risk. Instead of one company and putting all of your eggs in one basket, you're spreading all of your eggs in thousands and thousands of baskets. Sure. Okay, so let me. Let, let, I want to. I want to uh, break this down. But but you said somewhere around floor 19, three very important words that that if I was actually listening to you in the elevator, that I would have perked up. Guaranteed cost <laughs> savings, right? Yes. So that's that's like a big takeaway for somebody. It's like, okay, tell me more. And we get off on the 21st floor and and we have a bigger discussion. So I want to unpack some of the items that you just shared, but let's do this. Just again, 20,000 foot view, not everyone is steeped in the, the, the know-how of how today energy is, is not so much created, right? So there, there's a power plant of some type generating energy, but now this way that people consume energy and who you get your energy bill from and, and how all of that works is radically different than back in the days where you had a local power company in an area and you got a bill from that power company. So just give us that primer of kind of where we stand today about how energy is is delivered and and invoiced in in all of these different, you know, cooperatives and options and how how does all that work? Sure, So, so if you look at the energy industry as a whole in this country, it's kind of divided to two. Some states are what we call regulated states. There are no private uh, companies or businesses who are participating in those markets. And it's kind of what you described, you know, is the old fashioned uh, way of doing energy business. You have one utility. It's either government owned or controlled or monitored by a government agency of some sort, um, if it's not completely government owned. And they're in charge of everything start to finish, generation, transmission, so the power lines, making sure that you get electricity to your house. The other half of the United States and, and many other countries around the world are what we call deregulated markets. So the government allowed private companies to enter the market And that's usually 
on one of the two sides. It's not in the middle. So it's either in generation, you build a power plant, you own it, you have to find somebody to sell this to, or it's in the customer acquisition, marketing, billing side. Got it. Um, it's almost never on the wires. You don't want too many wires because that will ruin the scenery and that looks bad. Sure. In 50 states, approximately how many are regulated? How many are deregulated today? I would say about half and half. Half and half. Okay. And and I know, you know, I try to stay away from political discussions or whatever, but does there seem to be a correlation between, say, primarily what politicians would call blue states or red states relative to regulated or deregulated, or is that just not really correlative at all? Not correlative at all. Okay. Yeah, very surprising. It was very surprising for me when I entered the market before Solar Simplified. I was learning how the industry looks like. Most of the energy, almost entirely, is regulated on a state-by-state -state level. Okay. And every state had different reasons to regulate or deregulate the market, whether it's from you know competition standpoint or you know providing better types of products or equality or any sort of reason like that, but you see very little correlation between these types of states. Interesting. And so you're, what you're doing with Solar Simplified, does it interact on the production side or on the marketing connecting with customer side? So it's both. We don't own, at least not, not in the foreseeable future, we don't own any generation solar power plants ourselves. We partner with companies who build those power plants and skip all of the market to connect them directly to these consumers. But the way that we do this is very different from how the energy industry usually does that. The, the energy industry as a whole usually participates on what we call the supply side or the generation side of, of somebody's bill. If you want to think about it, or if you don't have the bill right next to, next to you, the bill is usually constructed in three different portions. There's the generation, how much energy you've consumed this past month. There's the transmission, how much does it cost to provide you with the wires and the inverters and all of that equipment that is required to get you the electrons, get you the electricity to your house. And then there's the fees and the taxes and everything around that. What we're trying to do is not compete with all of these companies that are out there. We're supplementing them. So if you want to work directly with your utility, or if you're in a deregulated state, so you want to have your own supplier, both of these are totally fine with Solar Simplified. We're going to be in the miscellaneous box in the fees and taxes and all of that at the bottom as a negative amount. So it's as a, credit, a discount. As a exactly. Credit. As a credit. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. So again, if I'm an individual or a business, does it matter today where I live, what state that I live in as to whether or not I would have the option to select to use Solar Simplify? Of course. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we have to comply with the regulation of each and every state. And Currently, we're not nationwide. We're obviously trying to grow as fast as we can, um, but we're mostly on the, the East Coast and kind of expanding throughout the United States. Okay. Um, but yes, a big part of our work is working with the regulators, explaining to them how this system works, not just so we could enter the market, but so that other companies maybe down the road could enter the market and provide this type of a solution 
And whether supply or generation is regulated or deregulated is a little bit of a different question. I don't really care as long as they allow us to participate. And there are some states, by the way, that are regulated states, but it have specifically deregulated solar because okay. they're foreseeing that these types of solutions would come in at some point down the road. Got it. I got it. And you mentioned earlier about um, instead of really calling them solar plants, uh, there really are solar farms. And w- where I live is in South Georgia, right, uh, right close to Interstate 75. So when I drive down into Florida, only about, I think, 20, 30 miles into Florida, there is a huge field. I, I just by my <laughs> estimation, perhaps 25, 30 acres that normally you would see planted in cotton or tobacco or corn or soybeans, but instead it's row after row after row of solar panels. So this is the solar power plant that you referred to in your earlier narrative. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 And is that likely to be an entity? For example, Florida Power and Light is a a large power company down in Florida. I have no idea who owns that particular farm that's on the west side of the interstate, but but is it more likely that it would be a large energy company like Florida Power and Light doing that, or would it be a a private company that is, you know, we're a solar power farm company and we're putting these up all over, or would it be potentially a farmer who collaborated with somebody and said, hey, I'm not growing crops on this field, and they said, well, we'll put solar panels on there and we'll sell that power back to, you know, the power company, the people of Florida. What's what's likely, the more likely the case when you see those solar farms about how they sprout up like that? So I would say it's all of the above. Depending on the state, again, some states don't allow anybody except for the utility, except for the this government-regulated company, you know, to put up any type of power plant. But in many states, and I believe Florida is included in that, um, the state does allow private companies to uh, ask for a permit or bid for a permit in order to be able to build these power plants. So it's still a very regulated process, but... It's not a free-for-all, okay, I'm sure. a farmer, I want to do this on my, on my right, land. You have right. to get the right permits. You have to make sure that you know, the infrastructure, the wires and everything could sustain this type of thing in your area. So there is a little bit of work that needs to be done here. I think from the three, probably the farmer partnering with somebody on his own account is probably more rare than the other two options. Sure. Uh, but you do see private companies reaching out to landowners, whether it's you know existing farmers or brownfield places that used to be used for something and they're not used anymore for that. So maybe they can cover whatever's on the land right now and use that. So the, the initiative is usually from the corporation side, whether again, it's a government regulated one or just a private actor. Both of these depend on the state. Got it. And so, what's an East Coast state where you're, where Solar Simplified is is in, and and you know just sort of rocking it? What's what's a state on the East Coast that fits that description? So, so we already started and launched in New York last year. The company is obviously very young; we're less than one year old, um, but we're already servicing about a thousand households and growing in upstate New York. Nice. And so, 
So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let me ask this specific question because I think it's important. If I was, let's say I'm a small business. Let's say I have a small manufacturing plant. I'm making bicycles. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've got a small manufacturing plant, but I do have, you know, the need for reliable power. But but I, I care about the environment. I really want my power to be, quote, green power. Right. So I'm, I'm located in upstate New York and I contact Solar Simplified and I say, I want you guys to provide my power. Just again, at a high level, walk us through the prop, pro, you know, what, what would happen for my bicycle company in upstate New York to actually then get that credit on my bill. So all you need to do is either call us and register over the phone or go on our website and register online. It takes less than two minutes. We need a little bit of information about who you are and your account number with your utility um, so we could confirm that you are who you say you are and that you actually own the electricity bill of this bicycle power plant. Now, assuming that you do, and this is that some sort of a fake registration of some sort, um, we go to the utility, we authenticate your registration, and... Assuming that we we are operating in that area, which we are, we will then connect you to one of the power plants, the solar power plants that we're already working with, and allocate a portion of the energy credits that they produce every day. So instead of you seeing it on the energy side, you will see it again as credits, which is how we're able to bypass and provide you that discount, that guaranteed discount. Because it doesn't matter if they will produce on the power plant side. $100 $100 or $1,000 on your behalf, I will guarantee that I will always give you, let's say, a 10% discount on whatever amount that they're able to produce. Right. So is it fair to say that the electrons that are actually coming into my bicycle plant are still being delivered by whoever my power company is? So they, they've agreed to work with Solar Simplified. And when I plug things into my outlets and my, you know, 110, 220, whatever equipment that I have, yes. those electrons are still coming from, you know, New York State power. But over somewhere else, there's a solar farm and you've contracted with that solar farm and they're generating a certain number of megawatts of energy, which is flowing back to New York power. And so whatever portion of the energy that they're replacing, I'm getting a guaranteed discount on my bill in in lieu of me hooking up directly to that solar farm. That solar is generating energy that the power plant doesn't have to generate using coal or oil or you know what whatever you know whatever other natural gas whatever other way that they spend turbines. And that's that's ultimately how I'm benefiting by a lower bill and also helping to be green. Did I did I catch did I get it? Correct, correct. I think the only caveat is we don't know how to move, or the world doesn't know how to move electrons from, let's say, Texas to New York in in an efficient manner. Right. So the solar power plant, the, the ones that we're contracting with at least, must be, first of all, in your utility. So the electrons actually sure. can flow. Right, right. And they got to be able to hook up to it. Exactly. Yeah, and more yeah. importantly... They have to be in fairly close proximity. We don't want a power plant that's thousands and thousands of miles, even if the wires are connected. We want it to be 100 or 200 or 300 miles away from from your home and maybe closer depending on where you live. So that, you know, if you want to, you can even drive by. You can ask us for the address and, you know, we can reach out to the power plant and ask them, 
this person wants to have a tour, wants to drive by and take a look. Is that okay? And most of the time, it's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, because people want to also feel that this is a real thing versus, you know, we're talking about electrons. Most people don't actually know what's happening except for when they click the button and the light turns on. Right. That's right. So having that proximity is very important to people. Okay, so let's, and you, you just, uh, you're clicking the, the switch and seeing the lights come on, sparked, <laughs> sparked something uh, in to ask me a question of, of something that just happened recently. So just in the last short period of time, we had this huge ice storm in Texas. And so mi literally millions of power customers in Texas flipped those light switches and no right. lights came on. And, and it, it was a highly publicized event. And there was all kinds of squabbling about the, the, some company that manages the energy and who is getting energy and people talking about that they had $17,000 uh, bills because all of a sudden the you know, wholesale cost per megawatt hour, you know, went up, whatever. Based on the model that you've shared with us, well, first of all, you, you are or are not active in Texas yet. We, so we're we are not active in Texas. Not active. So you, you, let me be very clear for everybody. <laughs> Aviv and his company had nothing to do with what happened in Texas. So, you know, he, he wasn't any part of that. But, but just imagine for a moment that you were. And I think what I understand this to be a case of those customers that had a certain type of bill that was based on the wholesale price of megawatt power, which in times of plenty means that their bill could be lower, all of a sudden, because of the scarcity of power, right, uh, uh, supply and demand, all of a sudden that cost per megawatt hour went from you know pennies to a thousand dollars hundreds of dollars or right. you know whatever it was and right. that's what caused these bills to be so high so so in that model what what if anything would solar simplified have done that might have made a difference that would have remediated that would have helped it if any Sure. So, so before I respond to that, first of all, my condolences to anybody who got hit by this. I have a lot of friends who live in Texas and, and they couldn't turn their power on, um, right. which is terrible, terrible. So to your question, I think if, if we were in Texas, um, I think the our solution would have been able to help on one of two sides. I think on the consumer front, again, it's a guaranteed discount. I can't control the amount that's being charged in Texas that is a completely free market. And as you mentioned, uh, demand was high, supply was low, and I believe at the peak time, the wholesale prices went up to $9,000 a megawatt hour, yeah, if not crazy. more, which is about 500 times more expensive than what should should be in a, in a regular scenario. So still, our discount would still apply to any type of energy that we would have been able to produce using our solar power plant partners. I would say, however, in an ice storm situation, it is a little bit tricky to count on solar because on one hand, solar can't really operate when, you know, when it's cloudy or when it's night, when there's no sun. But on the flip side of things, if it is sunny and there's snow on the ground, actually the cold weather and the snow reflect more sunlight. Mm. So after a snowstorm, if there is no snow, obviously, or ice on the panels, then the production actually goes up. Yes. Um, so, that, so that's one side, and we would have been able to help that. I think on the other side, the fact that we're reducing costs and increasing or, re or increasing reliability, reducing risk for these companies who are building these solar power plants, the idea is that in the long term, they're generating 
more revenues and more profits and their risk is lower. So the barriers to entry for these types of companies in a specific market goes down. And so more of these what we call developers, these companies who build and develop these solar power plants, more of them will be able to enter the market. And the more that you have, the supply goes up. And so this strange paradigm where suddenly all of the supply goes away, in the long term, that could be slightly prevented. Understand. So I would suspect that you really have three areas that have to be addressed. If you're going to go into a new state, so let's say you wanted to go into Texas, you would first of all have to do something that allowed the state of Texas to allow you uh, to, to operate and do what you do. But you would also then have to have some kind of agreement with you know, the power companies that are actually producing the power to you're going to get your discount on their statement. And then you've got a marketing right. challenge to get people to, to sign up. What what has been more difficult for you as you try to go into a state? Is it the regulatory issues surrounding this or is it the business issues of getting, you know, power companies to to play along versus the marketing and getting people to want to, to have this service? So it's a little bit of everything, unfortunately. It's a new type of solution. Nobody knows about it. And so, you know, first problem is always the, the regulation. Politicians and state regulators are not entirely sure what this is. They want to research it. They want to think about it. They want to ask for counsel, legal and compliance counsel, for example. And they want to make sure that if they approve this type of a solution, they're not doing anything that might down the road harm consumers. Well, that's step one. Once we're past that, we have to go and find the the solar power plants, these solar developers, these companies who build solar power plants or solar farms, and persuade them to work with us versus going again to those corporations and partnering with them directly, but telling them, hey, this is a higher revenue, higher profit, lower risk solution. And it's a lot greener. It's, it's you know, maybe not in the electrons, but the fact that you're mm-hmm. giving this to everybody and anybody and allowing access for everybody to this green energy, and you're not limiting it to only the largest corporations in the country, is a way for you, the developer, to also contribute on the educational front and sharing, let's call it sharing the green wealth with society and not with a small number of people. And then it leads us to the third challenge that you mentioned, the marketing challenge. People don't know what this is and they're very skeptic. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in the energy industry as a whole, there have been bad actors in the past. And obviously, regulators have been fighting these types of actors for years and years. In solar, you don't really see too many bad actors. It's a very new industry. And I think all of us, all of the actors are very, very prone. And it's important to us to to make sure that we we don't allow these types of bad actors to enter. But customers ask, well, where? what's the catch? How is this possible that I'm signing up? It takes me two minutes and I'm getting a discount. And the reason for that is actually on the developer side, it's not on the consumer side. It's that reduction of risk that comes into play. If the risk is reduced, you don't need to charge as much for the same type of product. And that goes anywhere from energy to finance to consumer goods. You know, sure. if you can cut the risk and increase reliability, you can also charge less for a product. Right. And, and you know, I can I can certainly see where a lot of people, even, you know, well-meaning folks who want to do the right thing, 
but who have seen other kinds of, quote, green initiatives turn out to be, you know, just money sinks or just, you know, in some cases, potentially just outright fraudulent, that they can have a little bit of a, a, a crooked eye to, to this, like, okay, is this, you know, really real? Um, yes. And I just have to say, I'm, I got to mention this. I'm a big fan of Bill Maher. He's a, you know, he's a comedian. He has a, a Friday night commentary show on HBO. And he has, he actually brings out now on every show, every Friday, he brings out a little, a little placard with a, with a number of days that he's been trying to get solar hooked up to his house. And I think he's up to like 1,032 days. And, and he makes this point about all he's trying to do is do the right thing. And this is, I get it that this is different. This is somebody trying to put solar panels on their house. And that's not what Solar Simplify does. But I think it does, it does sort of bring out this issue of the regulatory red tape that has to be fought through. He, he makes the point that he lives in California. It's, it's perhaps the most progressive state out of all 50 and has stringent you know, requirements for gas mileage and cars and all this kind of stuff. And yet in 1,032 days, he can't get solar panels actually hooked up at his house because of the number of hoops and permissions and inspections and forms and things that he has to jump through. And, you know, so that's three years. He's been working three years, right, to get solar. So I think that's the kind of thing that people look at and go, well, I, I don't have that much energy. Ener- I don't have that much energy, right, to right. put in this. They want to do the right thing, but it's just so hard. And that, I guess my real question, in all of that is, is, is can you really make it easier? Can you get people to a level of comfort and make it as simple as you say, so that they know that they really are uh, being green? If that's their goal, or you know, the guaranteed money savings, which is always a good thing, and feel like they're not having to jump through a hundred hoops to do so. Exactly, exactly. So so a lot of our work, again, is with the regulators. It's making sure the regulators are aware that it's not just about protection, consumer protection or utility protection or any type of protection that, they're, that it's import, is important for them. It's also about making things simple. And that's kind of why we chose the name Solar Simplified. The goal is to make this simple for everybody. Regulators, developers, companies, renters and homeowners. I mean, if you think about it, renters or even homeowners that just don't own a roof can't put solar panels. Uh, All uh, of this uh, industry. Uh, renters, uh, the people in condominiums. I mean, exactly. there's a ton of people who don't have a roof. Exactly. Right, right. Um, we're, we're talking about 80%, even over 80% of Americans who can't put solar panels for all sorts of reasons. They are renters. They don't own the roof. As you mentioned, they live in a condo or in a high rise. Maybe their roof is too old. Maybe they can't afford to put solar panels on the roof because it requires a replacement of the roof and things of that nature. Right. So, so our solution is to go to everybody from that bucket, and it's a huge, huge bucket. We're talking about tens of millions of Americans, 80% of Americans, and enabling them to skip this entire process and assuming that we've done our work right with finding these power plants or or partnering with companies to build these power plants and working with the regulators to make sure that this process is simple and not cumbersome, then for the consumer, it'll be easy and it'll be simple. Nice. That's our so, goal. That's good. And I like, I, I like that. So uh, innovation-driven growth, obviously, our focus on this podcast is to talk about innovation. So put your prognostication hat on and, and let's fast forward five years what would you predict uh, that, that we would see in terms of changes, maybe in the solar industry generally, but more specifically how solar simplified will be capitalized, doing other innovative things 
uh, based on where you think your company might be five years from now? Yeah, I mean, I would hope for our sake um, and for us, for us as a company, to be in many more states and then serve many more tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of Americans by providing them with this simple solution to, first of all, save money. We started the company during the COVID days, the early COVID days. The idea, first of all, first and foremost, was to save, help people save money. And, and secondly, to be green. And so my goal for us as a company is to be able to expand and serve as many people as we can and as who want to either save money or be green or both. I think for the industry as a whole, we have to start focusing all of the actors, including the regulators, focusing on the 80%, not the 20%. The fact that almost every media outlet and every regulator is thinking of installing panels on the roof, it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. But you're only approaching 10 or 20% of the actual market. We have to solve the big problem, the 80% before we go to the 20 in my mind. So that's where us as an industry have to focus on. Well, I, I always uh, I always pictured myself as, uh, you know, like an ad executive who was coming up with uh, crazy ideas and never got a chance to work in that field. But it just struck me that you really are about green. So we, we think of, of course, green being that we're environmentally focused on trying to do things to, to limit greenhouse gases and things like that. And we know that that's a popular term being green. But when people talk about money, they usually would associate <laughs> it with the color green, right? So it's like, hey, exactly. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna save some green. So whatever it is you're doing from a marketing standpoint, obviously it's it's uh, think green, save green. Uh, you know <laughs> that, that somehow's gotta gotta all work in there. So so think back. You obviously were asking all these questions uh, as a young person. You studied electrical engineering, uh, and you've done a, a number of things, including now starting Solar Simplified. If you could go back, go back to that you know 12, 13, 14 year old Aviv. Uh, what are the lessons? What are the things that you would share with yourself that you think would have made a difference that would have maybe gotten you further faster or, you know, some insight? Oh, if I had only known what's some wisdom from a from a how we shape future innovators standpoint that you might share? Sure. I think that, you know, the first answer to that is is a simple answer that if you think about it is is a little bit mind-blowing it's continue asking those questions and continue to be curious because as children we start by you know as, as infants we start by asking a lot of questions because we're learning we don't know what this world is but as we grow we tend to stop asking questions because we want to be more polite. We don't want to sound like we're uneducated or we don't want to sound like oh, yeah. we're not aware of what's going on, things like that. And so we start to become even shy, if I can say that, yeah, and, no, and stop it. asking those questions. So we have to continue that. I think on my end specifically, one thing that was very helpful for me is, as a child, I was very curious about, you know, finance and money and what is this thing i started working at a very very young age you know part-time during the you know summer break from school and and things like that i wanted to understand what is this thing that's called money how is this working and and one thing that you know our education system in israel but also the education system here in the us and in a lot of other countries they don't tend to focus a lot on finance and personal finance and you know, what's money and what's a credit card and how does the system work? And I believe 
on the educational piece, and I've, I've spent countless hours, you know, speaking with friends and family and colleagues and just random people who reach out to me with questions. This is the number one most important thing that I think we can teach ourselves and our children. And if, if I would have had more understanding earlier on, um, you know, I probably would have, wouldn't have been an entrepreneur as a, as a child because I was, you know, focused on school and, and social life and everything like that. But, I think if you don't understand how the system works and how the incentives are being split and drawn from side to side, it'll be very hard for you to figure out, okay, this is an interesting field. You know, it's a blue ocean that I, Aviv, can start Solar Simplified, can start a new company in and enter and not be butchered by the competition or have a very hard time. You have to understand how the system works too. Yeah, uh, so important. I don't know how old you are, but I believe I'm, I, I've got you by at least a couple of dozen years. And so back in school, even back in, in, in my day in school, there were classes on basic money management. You had to learn how to, you know, balance a checkbook, whatever. And, you, you know, you talk to a millennial or a Gen Z today and they're check, checks, what's a check? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and they think the whole world runs, you know, off of uh, Venmo, whatever. But, you, but you're, you make such a powerful point that s- some of those are sort of like basic life skills about how certain things work. I think all of us take energy for granted. We, we come right. in, we turn on the lights and we, you know, we do what we do. And, you know, maybe, maybe we turn the thermostat and adjust it because we're personally trying to save money. Or, you know, maybe some people are trying to do things specifically because they have a passion for saving the planet. But at the end of the day, we're not really educated about what happens with our power, how it's generated, how it's delivered. So it's super important. The work that you're doing, the fact that you're able to combine this green of, of helping, you know, solar advance in terms of its ability to generate power and green from the standpoint of helping us save money, which I don't care where you are on the political spectrum of green from an environment standpoint, mm-hmm. everybody wants to save money. So I think that's a great motivator. Uh, Aviv, uh, anything else you want to share with the, with the uh, IDG podcast before we wrap up this episode? No, I think that the you know the the number one uh, uh, the most important thing for me is to to join this podcast and thank you very much again for inviting me, David, and to make sure people are more educated. I would recommend to people to ask questions, to research this, to Google us or Google what we do. We explain exactly how what we do and how we do it on our website too. And please, if anybody's interested, even if we haven't mentioned your state, go on our website, start the sign-up process that, again, takes a minute, maybe a minute and a half tops. We will obviously let you know if, if we're already serving in, in your area. And if we're not, it'll be very helpful for us to see where our audience is and where people are interested so we could approach these state regulators and make sure that we can start supplying your area if we're not there already. And go ahead and give, the, give everybody that website address. So it's solarsimplify.com. Just like, um, it's, just like it sounds. Just like it sounds. Perfect, uh, perfect. Google Solar Simplified and you'll find us right at the top. Absolutely. Well, again, I will make sure that that uh, URL is in the show notes. If there's any other kind of information that Aviv wants to share, I will have that information on the show notes as well. But I encourage you to go to solarsimplified.com. Check it out. Contact them if you have questions. And again, I'd like to thank Aviv Shalgi from Solar Simplified for being our guest today on the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. He's given us a lot to think about, specifically about how you know solar may be more uh, impactful for us in the future. But, but if you don't take away anything else 
I want you to focus on this important issue mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and the end. Ask good questions. Ask questions. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Ask good questions. I mean, thanks again. Thank you very much for having me, David. It was a pleasure. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.